0: This afternoon, we are focusing on Lord's Day 20 of the Heidelberg Catechism, what scripture teaches about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 20, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, he is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, he is also given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and all his benefits to comfort me and to remain with me forever. Beloved Congregation of the the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, there's a saying we have that the best things come in small packages. We recognize that something might be small, but it might be extremely valuable. Well, I would say to you that the same is true of Lord's Day 20 about the Holy Spirit. This, after all, is the shortest Lord's Day in the entire Catechism. That might strike us as odd. Why is the Lord's Day on one of the members of the Trinity so small? Well, in our confessionist church, we might wonder have we shortchanged Scripture's teaching on the person and work of the Holy Spirit? Well, I do not believe we have. And there are two main reasons why. First, the way the Catechism, the catechism teaches about the Holy Spirit. It mirrors how Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Bible, you don't find long passages describing the Spirit and His work. There are long passages about Christ and His work, but not the Holy Spirit. And that's because the Holy Spirit, who inspired all of Scripture, did not desire to put the spotlight on Himself, but on the Lord Jesus Christ that's what we see when we read Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what do we find in the Bible? The Bible sprinkles teaching about the Holy Spirit through its pages. That's what we see. And that's also what we have in the Catechism. Lord's Day 20 is not all that the Catechism teaches about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is mentioned all throughout. Lord's Day 1, 3, 7, 8, many more mirrors how the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. Second, in this part of the Catechism, we're focusing only on particular aspects of the Holy Spirit's work. Right now, we are focusing on the Gospel, as summarized in the Apostles' Creed, the good news of our salvation. So what this Lord's Day is focusing on is... What is the Holy Spirit's connection to the gospel, to the good news of Christ? How is the Holy Spirit's person and work good news for believers? And that's what we'll focus on this afternoon. Lord Lord willing, we'll see that this small Lord's Day is packed full of gospel treasure. So I proclaim to you God's word this afternoon under the following theme, the gospel of the Holy Spirit. We'll look at, first of all, the Holy Spirit makes us share in the saving benefits of Christ. Second of all, the Holy Spirit ensures our final salvation. Now again, this afternoon, we want to focus on the good news that the Holy Spirit is for believers, for us. Now, How does the Holy Spirit make the gospel of Christ that much sweeter? What's the Holy Spirit's role in bringing us salvation? Well, to see this, let's first of all look at the human condition apart from the Spirit of God. Scripture describes those who do not have the Spirit of God as being in the flesh. That's how we read about it in Romans 8. The flesh is our sinful nature. And those without the Holy Spirit only have a sinful nature. This is our natural condition after the fall into sin. Listen to Romans 8, 5 to 8. Verse 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Verse 6, to set the mind on the flesh is death. Verse 7, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Verse 8: Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, if you have ever doubted the doctrine of total depravity, then doubt no more. It's right there in Romans 8. That's who we are by nature: in the flesh, hostile to God, not submitting to God's law. Not a pretty picture. How can people like that be saved? Well, this is where the good news of the Holy Spirit begins. The Holy Spirit comes to people who are in the flesh, and He brings about a massive change. Let's see this with the help of Lord Say 20. Lord Say 20 asks, What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? Can first, we confess, first of all, He's together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. And notice that Lord's Day twenty calls him a he, right? The Holy Spirit is not an it. People sometimes talk about the spirit or something like electricity, a power or a force, but He's a distinct person, just as much as the Father, just as much as the Son, and He is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God, eternal, infinite, Almighty. Co equal with the Father and the Son. And that is good news for us. That's because, as true God, the Spirit brings us into fellowship with God. In 1 John 1, the Apostle John says, Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe we wonder, what about the Holy Spirit? Well, he's not been left out of this fellowship. The the Spirit's the one who brings us into fellowship with the Father and the Son. You can see something of this in Romans 8. In these verses, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. Both references to God the Father. Then in verse 9, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. Christ. And so, even though he's a distinct person, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. Shows their close connection. Confess the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And if the Spirit dwells in you, then you are brought into fellowship with the triune God. Paul can even say in verse 10 that if the Spirit lives in you, then Christ is in you. Spirit is the one who unites us to the person of Jesus Christ. The Spirit does that by working faith in our hearts. That's what Lord say 20 means when it says, "The Spirit makes me, by true faith, share in Christ. The Spirit is uniting us to Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit comes to people who are in the flesh, as Romans 8 describes, who only have a sinful nature, who are hostile to God, have their mind set on the flesh, cannot please God, and the Spirit comes to people with, His word, with the Word of God and convicts them of their sin. Convicts them of God's judgment upon their sin. And then having done that, the Spirit works powerfully in their hearts to turn their eyes upon Jesus Christ so that they might find salvation in Him. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we do look to Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the cross for our salvation. It's by His power that faith is worked in our hearts and we are united to our Saviour. And sometimes people ask, how do I know I have the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't need a spiritual x-ray machine if there were such a thing. don't need a special sign from God. No, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and then turns your eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ and His work in His death and resurrection. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible does not ask you, do you have the Spirit? But do you believe? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 1 verse 13. In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. There you have it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. By uniting us to Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit makes us share in Christ's saving benefits. And What are some of those benefits? Well, there are many. One of the main ones is this. We are adopted by God the Father himself. Look at Romans 8. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, if by the Holy Spirit you are united to the Son of God by faith... And surely you are counted as a child of God too. Where do we find the adopting love of God? It's no secret. It's in Christ. It's through faith in Christ. Romans 8 you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, you received the spirit of adoption. You don't need to live in terror don't need to live in doubt. In Christ, you can call God your Father. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And that's in Christ. And verse 17, if you are a child, then you are an heir. God is going to give His Son, Jesus Christ, an eternal inheritance. Well, guess what? Holy Spirit unites us to Christ. And God the Father, as it were, included your name in the will. In Jesus Christ. It's a gift of grace. Well, these are all good things, but this is not all. As the Spirit unites us to Christ, He also applies the atonement of Christ to us. Right? Christ died... 2,000 years ago or so on the cross, how do those benefits come to you? Well, Christ's payment for sin becomes effective for us through the working of the Holy Spirit as he applies Christ's death to us through faith. You receive Christ's sacrifice on the cross through faith. The Holy Spirit applies it to you as he works faith in your hearts. Not only that, but in Christ Jesus, or in Christ Jesus, righteousness becomes ours. In Christ we share in his eternal life. I'll mention one other thing. In Christ we also, by the Spirit, we also receive new spiritual life. Romans 8 verse 11 says, God raised Jesus from the dead. And what that means is that if the spirit of him who raised Christ lives in you, then you will also receive new life. So if the spirit of the Christ-raising God lives in you, then by the spirit he will also raise you who were dead in sin to live a new life. So that you might serve God. You who believe in Christ, who have the Spirit, are no longer totally depraved. Yes, we have a sinful nature, but we have a new nature by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we fix our eyes in faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit will also cause us to bear fruit more and more. True believers will bear fruit. They will live a new life of obedience. It's simply impossible that someone with the Spirit would not be changed. By the Spirit's power, we will set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the things of God's Word, the things God loves. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will put to death the evil desires of the flesh. And we will live is the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Christ Jesus, when he died on the cross, was completely dead, yet God raised him to new life. It doesn't matter how dead in sin you might feel, God can work new life in you by the power of Christ's resurrection as you believe in him. Trust the power of the Spirit to give you New life brings us to our next point. The Lord's Day 20 mentions one more thing regarding the gospel of the Holy Spirit. He's also given to me to comfort me and to remain with me forever. The Holy Spirit remains with believers forever. This gets us into the teaching called, The Perseverance of the Saints. We confess that true believers will never fall away, but will persevere in faith to the end of their lives. And as believers, we can look forward to eternal salvation. For all Romans 8 says, if you're a son, you're also an heir. However, before that full salvation is ours, we'll go through suffering. Verse 17 adds, We are heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So our pathway to glory is the same path that Christ Himself walked. Christ went through suffering before He entered into glory. And through our union with Christ by the Holy Spirit, the sufferings of Christ also spill over into our lives. We share in them. And so, you can be sure that suffering and also painful trials will come. I believe you heard something of that this morning as well. Don't be surprised when painful trials come. As you look at Scripture, you can see that some of Christ's sufferings were were indeed terrible. And that's how it might be for us also. Paul says in Romans 8 that, yes, believers, they groan inwardly. Our bodies break down. Trials of all kinds afflict us, some of us face pain every day. And it can happen, especially as we go through suffering, that we wonder, am I going to make it to the end? Is my faith going to fail? See, it's in those moments of trial that our faith is really tested. Maybe you're experiencing some of that right now. And when you come to that point where you feel like it's a breaking point, you might wonder, how come I be sure that I'll persevere in faith and, and be saved? Well, this is where the gospel of the Holy Spirit comes again. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we persevere. The Spirit is given to me to comfort me in the midst of suffering to remain with me Forever. Yes, the Spirit comforts us in suffering and works in us a persevering faith. How does He do this? We could mention several things. He does this by turning our eyes to what we have in Christ. He calls us to remember, first of all, God is my Father in Christ. No amount of suffering is going to change that, it's not going to take that away. Suffering doesn't mean God has abandoned you. No. Remember Romans 8. We are heirs of God provided we share in the sufferings of Christ. The children of God will suffer. God has not abandoned you. The Spirit makes us persevere by lifting our eyes to the glory that's coming. He calls us to do that right now. It can be be easy to get tunnel vision when you suffer. It be hard to think about anything else. Listen to Romans 8. Paul writes through the inspiration of the Spirit, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us or in us. The Spirit assures us the suffering will end. No matter how bad and how deep and how painful the suffering is, the glory that's coming will far surpass it, says Romans 8. It's not worth comparing, Paul says. Your suffering's like one drop compared to the ocean of glory that's coming, and that's not meant to minimize your suffering right now. It's not meant to belittle your trials. But it's assuring you of the weight of glory that is coming in Christ. Fix your eyes on that, beloved. The Spirit works in us a persevering faith also by fixing our eyes on the precious promises of God. And of course, one of those precious promises is that well-known promise in verse 28 of Romans 8. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. In the midst of suffering, when we're perplexed, when we're at our wits' end, Spirit works in us to hold on to that promise. Even though it might not make sense. Yet the promise is there, and God is faithful. And isn't that what has kept believers going, believers of all generations, going through even the worst of trials? Spirit comforts us that even though we can't see it ourselves, somehow, some way, God will work it for our good. As we hold on to that promise, the Spirit of God, it... Is that work in our lives, working in us a persevering faith. Of course, we don't always know exactly why God sends a particular trial in our lives. We do know that one way God uses that suffering is to conform us to the image of Christ, His Son. And that's one thing He's after. Verse 29 says, God predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And God uses those also painful trials to make us like His Son, to refine us. The book of Hebrews says that Christ was made perfect through suffering. It will be the same for us as well. And I'll mention one last way the Holy Spirit works in us a persevering faith. The Holy Spirit prays for believers. Listen to Romans 8, verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to to pray for as we ought. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Again, when you're in the midst of trials, you might feel like you come to the breaking point. And it shows our weakness. We never persevere on our own. Maybe in those times you're at a loss for words. Don't know exactly what to pray. You, know, you can't even pray. You only sigh, only cry out. The Spirit knows. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And the beautiful thing about this is the Spirit knows the will of God perfectly. He prays perfectly in line with the will of God. So God the Father always answers yes to the prayers of the Spirit on our behalf. So it can never be that a true believer falls away. The Holy Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. Well, this, of course, is a bit of a mystery. How does this all work? We don't know exactly, but it shows the Holy Spirit is committed to the long haul does not just leave us in our trials. Beloved, we can confess, the Spirit has also given me to comfort me and to remain with me forever. And this matches with the end of our reading from Romans 8. There we read, Those whom God has predestined, He is also called. And those whom He has called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. This is something we call... The golden chain of our salvation cannot be broken. Those for predestined He called, those whom He called He also justified, those He justified He also glorified. Designed by God the Father, won for us by God the Son, applied to us by God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has worked faith in our hearts, will bring us all the way home. In glory we will groan no more, we will suffer no more, but we will only rejoice in our God. Amen. Let us now respond to the preaching of God's word by singing together hymn 47, stanza 2, 3, and 5.